0: See, the, uh, the problem with a guy like me, I can't really sneak anywhere. Okay, I'm. Uh, people always know I'm around so, somehow, I don't know. It's good to see you all. And can we just, uh, where's the lights, man? Just turn the lights down a little bit, because you are beautiful people, and I do want to see you, because it's fantastic. Um, you can see me, there's no problem with that at all. Of course, we're on a series of There Is Only One, and our, our foundational verse has been from Ephesians. And, of course, we've had some great ministry from Phil and from Christian and from others. It's just been fantastic. There is only one. There's only one God. There's only one Jesus. There's only one Holy Spirit. And this week is going to be there is only one church. Now, for those of you here last night at the, at the big night out, that was church. And what a fantastic church it was. For those of you who, uh, who support the football team and uh, Christians only mentioned it, that's church. You're scratching your head. But, Andy, it's... It's not a building, it's got no stained glass windows, it's a really church. The verse, so I'm going to read the, the, uh, the verses prior to that as well. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. I'm probably reading a different translation here. Uh, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There is only one. I tend to read the New King James. It's just, just my habits, what I'm used to. It's the, you know, the rhythm, the words I, I'm, I'm perfectly used to. There is only one church now all these messages you can get on podcasts so the whole series will be available if you've missed one don't worry about it uh it'll be on arena church.co.uk now i don't know about you but i like a story do you like a story Anyone here like a story now i was i was um just happened to be in a, in a coffee room in a hospital a few weeks ago and uh, there there's the winter olympics okay and on it there's there's a sport i, I use the, the word very very carefully where you've got a team of four people They've all got a brush in their hands. They've got a shoe that's grippy on one side, another shoe that's flat. And then they slide down this big thing, they call it a stone, and they start sweeping the ice. Now, what's that all about? You all know you don't need to sweep ice. Ice is just frozen water. But somehow, with their sweeping and they're aiming their aim and the correct weight that they put on the. How about that? I know the, know the terms. They get the stone right into the middle. Of that target. And I like say, Andy, why do you watch that? I ask myself the question, why did I watch that? But the thing is, once you get into it, you want to know how the story ends. So there's four four stones per per team. So there's, there's eight stones in that ring. okay? And, and you don't know, is it going to be the last shot that just smashes everything and gets the one point? Or is the team going to be able to get... Four stones round the center of that target and win four points. And once you're drawn into the story, you can't let it go. And you have to watch it to the end. You're thinking, it's curling, for goodness sake. It's sort of another sport that you play indoors, despite the fact it's a winter sport. Work that one out. But it's the story, isn't it? And here in church, we have a great story. It's called The Story of Salvation. It's a salvation story, it is the best story ever we know the start of the story we also know the last page as well because we've read the last page of the story we know what's going to happen Well, what's going to happen in the middle where are we in that timeline between the start of the story and the end of the story where are we it's the greatest story ever told to Jesus the miracle man miraculous birth perform miracles he was unjustly tried and nailed to a cross. Miraculous he rose on the third day. And then he went to him to prepare a place for us all. What a fantastic story. But that's not the end of the story. Because that was written. We've seen it. We've read it. We believe it in our hearts. But that's not the end of the story. What do we do until Jesus comes back? Because the Bible says Jesus is coming again. But what do we do until that time? Let's just go back to Jesus for a minute. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus walks into the synagogue. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't schooled. He wasn't trained in, in in the Old Testament. But Jesus walked into the synagogue, and he took the scroll in Isaiah. Isaiah. And Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That was Jesus. Jesus walked into the place of worship and suddenly declared something. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But for what purpose? To heal, to release, to proclaim liberty, to bring sight to the blind. And in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, Jesus said to his disciples, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end." Of the age. Now it's interesting. That final instruction from Jesus was not to the qualified priests. No. That final instruction of Jesus wasn't to the scholars of the day who spent years and years in Bible school. No. That final instruction of Jesus was to 12 ordinary guys, 12 people like you and me from the whole spectrum of society. He gave them an instruction go into all the world and make. Disciples of all men. That point there, Jesus was initiating a plan. That plan has a name and it's called the church. Right there and then, it's not plan A because there is no plan B. It is the plan, it is the vehicle which God has been using for centuries now for that message, for that great story to be communicated there is no plan b the church is the plan the church is god's idea and we are in this church so what does church mean if you look at the greek like, like as phil would the word church or kirk comes from Kyriakon, which means literally the house of the master ecclesia You know that word don't we ecclesiastes and we talk ecclesia and in other languages ecclesia means church that's the called out ones in john 10 we're here it's church called the flock and the word pastor simply means the shepherd of the flock so it's all really simple it's in the bible and the body's made up of different parts and of course some parts of the body are more more visible than others but they're all vital to the function of the whole and when one part of the body hurts the rest of the body knows it I mean this week we've just been hearing reports of, of North Korea where the the president has uh, ordered the death of 33 Christians for trying to overthrow the government and that's really that really hurts but on the other side you know what's going to happen don't you if those christians are, are martyred the church in north korea is just going to go boom because god will not be held back by one dictator and it's been shown over history of china they tried to suppress the church the church went mad went mental Millions and millions of Christians in China today, despite the persecution Russia on the Soviet Russia, the church was persecuted. But guess what? It grew and it grew because it's God's idea and one man is not going to stop the plan of God. God has decided that church is a great idea and that's where it would be for all time. Here's a few things that church is not. Okay, Just in case you're a little bit confused, here's the things that church isn't. First of all, the church is not the denom- denomination we belong to. There is one church so the church is not the AOG or, or Elim or the Methodists or Baptists. Arena is just an expression of church. We are different to some, absolutely. We are louder than most, absolutely. But it's just an expression of church. In fact, the word Catholic, originally, with a small c, means universal. Universal means, overall, they're just one church. The church is not the building. I mentioned earlier, there's no stained glass windows at Arena. In fact, you can't even see our windows back here there's no stained glass windows there's no there are no pews you're not really a church are you? the church is not the building I've been in, in various places around the world in various churches I've been in a, a small village in Romania called poiana and uh, it looks like someone's house it's virtually the front room that's church I've been in the middle of Africa where they don't even have any walls or a roof they just meet under a tree to shade them from the sun that's church. The guys on the football pitch, when they're, when Jared and his, and his mates, and, and where's Hank? Hank's downstairs on security, but that's church. And a, and a magician telling jokes last night and doing tricks while we eat paella, hey, that's church. And I like it, as you can tell. You see, I was, I was talking to a guy last night about the various things we've had on an arena church, and uh, he, he, he brought a guest to an event. Uh, at the end of the event, the, uh, as he's walking out, his, his guest said, so, so, so where's your church then? You've been at a Mansfield. He went, you've just been in it. He went, really? You mean you didn't hire that building? No, that is our building. That is a church. Now, <clears throat> I don't know how many churches you know, with eight pool tables and table tennis and a bar, but that is, that is church. You see, church is never meant to be a Christian club. Now, I know, Look around the room, the majority of us here are, are born again, we're Christians it's not a club for us certainly not it's not exclusive it's a place to fish from you know i mentioned the the, the church in africa a tree it doesn't have all this there's no lights there's no pa this is just a place to fish from because jesus called us to be fishers of men we have got to fish from here it's great to have it it's fantastic we have a great building that we can use for lots and lots of things but that doesn't make the church I was talking to a, a colleague of mine about church and he, he knows some other Christian and he said to me, and Eagles church, don't you? I went, yeah. He said, well, what do you do? So I started to talk about Arena and the, and the projects, about Belfield Street, about the, the, the Acorns. And he said, well, I don't really understand because Ego's a church and it's, I think it's just to clear his conscience. He said, it's very middle class. They've all got loads of money. They put the money into charity and they think that's okay. And I could see his, his brain's ticking over but Andy's not like that. What's, what's different? Because that's not church. I don't come here because of my duty. I come here because I love it. I come here because it's God's vehicle. I become here because God has called me to be part of the church and he's called every single one of you. And then this message, I'm, I'm not going to have an appeal today. There's no appeal, so there you go, that's it, done, out of the way. There is no appeal. But at the end of the, end of the message, what I'm going to do is just ask you guys as a church, to pray together. We'll come to that later on. And the church is not perfect. How many times have you heard, the church is full of hypocrites? Well, I would say, well, come on in. There's room for one more. Because, <laughs> because I'm not perfect. I'm, and as soon as I walk through the doors of this church no matter how perfect you guys are as soon as I walk in the place is no longer perfect so if someone says the church isn't perfect you're absolutely right but there's some things that the church is this is Jesus' idea the spirit of the Lord is on me the spirit of the Lord has anointed me and last week we talked about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit anoints us for works of service Jesus loves the church does anybody disagree with me? The Bible says, Jesus loves the church. You'll find it in the same book. We're looking at Ephesians. If you read on, just a couple more chapters, you'll find the, the word that Jesus loves the church. I love the church. The question is, do you love the church? I'm not talking about, do you love arena? which quite clearly here, you do. But do you love the church? The thing that God has put in place. So here's just a few things for your, for your notebooks that uh, the Bible teaches us about the church. In Ephesians 5.25, it says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. You see, the church is meant to be attractive. In that picture of, of, of Ephesians where the husbands are being instructed to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, it goes on to say, in verse 27, a glorious church, holy and without blemish. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, the bride says, my beloved is mine, and I am his. If you read the Song of Solomon, it's, many, many commentators say it's about the, the love that Christ has for the church. Read through it. It's a great book. About how the, the bride, who was just a bit wayward, went her own way, but then came back, and came back. The church is meant to be attractive. Jesus said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to me. See, there's something about Arena Church. We're growing. Mansfield has gone from uh, 12 people four years ago to a regular attendance of over 100. Am I right? 100, 120. Why? Because it's attractive. There's something about it that's drawing people. It's the name of Jesus. See, we're putting Jesus first. Arena Church has been deliberate in what we do. Jesus is so important to us. The name is out there, and it's attractive. Guys, any, any married guys here? Wave your hands if, you, if you're married. Married? And Guys, can you remember your wedding day? Can you remember your wedding day? And can you remember the gasp around the church as your bride walked through the door? People go, oh, "Doesn't she look beautiful?" See that bride has spent so much time preparing herself, so much time getting ready, so much time putting effort into how she looks. I remember when I got married; in fact, I was so emotional I didn't get the vows out. I choked. That's for the uh, podcast, in case my family listening. <laughs> because they will remind me. As as Louise walked down the aisle, she got a she got a hair all wavy. Because during our engagement, she she'd had it one day, but really, I, I really like that. I really like the wavy hair. That's really nice. that's what she did for the wedding day her hair was wavy we also had to to pay for some stuff in the house so uh, the veil wasn't quite within our our budget however the effort she looked great on the day she was carrying lilies and we both love lilies we know we're not really roses people but lilies we adore lilies the smell the colour the aroma as soon as you walk into the house you always know when there are lilies around she was carrying lilies it's that preparation it's that determination I'm going to look my best for the groom and Jesus says, You are the bride. And as a church, it's our responsibility to look our best for the groom because church is attractive. And if you're full of backbiting, if there's gossip around the place, that's ugly. That's not a beautiful bride. If there are things in our lives that we're not sorting out, if there are things that we, we just know habits are just halting us in our walk with God, that's not beautiful. And we're called to be attractive. We're called to be protective. In John 10:11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And the shepherd will protect from the wolves. I don't know if you've ever seen a nature program, but this is how wolves work. Okay? A hungry wolf will spot, let's say we're in Alaska or, or northern Scandinavia, a pack of wolves will, will spot a, a herd of, of elk or moose, depending on which continent you're from. And what the wolf will do, he will, he will look to find out where's the weakest and where's the strongest. And the wolf will tail for days and for days and for days until that weak one somehow gets separated from the herd. And that's when the wolves pounced. When I was preparing this message um, over the past couple of weeks, I had a really vivid dream. The a wolf. And it was so vivid and startling that I woke up with a start. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, just just mention the wolves. Because when we're in a flock, when we're all together, the wolves are still looking for the weak. The wolves are still looking for those who wander off by themselves. And maybe this morning you feel under attack. Maybe you feel like the wolves are circling. I really feel the Holy Spirit prompted me to say this. In your own life, you're walking with God, but you're not feeling that strong. But you can hear the howl of the wolf. Because that's what the wolf will do. He will intimidate. And he will intimidate. And we have an enemy. His name is Satan. And as we walk along as Christians all the time, he's at our heels. Just waiting to pounce, Waiting for his first opportunity. to, maybe this morning, you're feeling like that. Maybe feeling in your own life, just things are just going against you. And you're being circled all around. Later on when we pray for each other, if, if you're one of those, within, within your groups when we pray, just say, look guys, I really feel on the track. I feel like the enemy is just trying to bring me down. Because that's what a wolf will do. But the good shepherd, the good shepherd lies across the door of the sheep pen. And all the sheep stay in the same fold. If you're not feeling particularly strong this morning, well, that's, that's okay. Just get in the crowd. Get in the crowd. Because when you're in the middle of those who are strong, see a wolf will not attack a full-grown bull elk. Because those antlers are deadly. And if the wolf comes in too close to those antlers, he's going to get what's coming to him. But the weak, ah, the weak are easy. Get in the flock, get in the herd. That's where you find protection. The church is inclusive. Last week, Christian was talking about the Holy Spirit and and Peter trying to resist God when it came to the Gentiles or the the non-Jews. But God's always had a soft spot for strangers. If you read through the Old Testament, whenever there were strangers, they were welcome in the camp. God would always make provision within his people to make sure they were welcome to strangers. What are we like as a church? What is our church? Is our church inclusive? See, a cult is exclusive. If you join a cult, that's it. You're cut off from the outside world. You can't leave. And if you do leave, your friends within the cult will never speak to you again. You're free to leave anytime you like. If you could wait to send the, the message, that would do me some good. But you are free to leave this church whenever you like. See, we're inclusive, and whatever your background, wherever you've come from, you're welcome at this church. A church is constructive. We talked about Belfield Street. There are people all around us who just need building up. There are people here in this room this morning that you need building up. And don't be afraid to talk to the person next you. Say, look, I'm struggling. I'm feeling weak week, will you build me up? As we listen to the word, as we get, it, get involved in the worship, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we are built up. Church should be constructive. The church is instructive. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is someone I want to take on your teachings, but not just take them off myself. Those teachings then have to have their out working. That's what a disciple is. A disciple listens to the master, and then does the same thing. Ephesians 4, as you just read on through that chapter, you'll find the the classic 4.11, gifts to the church. But Ephesians 4.12 says those gifts are for equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. And in verse 14 it says that we should no longer be children carried about with every window of drop in. Can I be a little bit harsh this morning? We need to grow up. If we're still running around looking for the basics all the time, if we're just running around saying, well, oh, I can't quite cope with that word yet, we are called, it's in the scriptures, to no longer be children carried around with every window of drop We've got to grow up. Because those, it's no good, I, can, I could speak to you all day if I wanted. I could, I could I'm talking to Paul this morning, The subject of the church is massive. You could be here all week and still not cover all of it. But it means nothing. If then that word doesn't work itself out in your life, then I might as well just sit down now. So church is instructive. We have to grow up. Church is reproductive. See, a a healthy flock of sheep grows. It's got to. It's the nature of things. And a healthy church will always grow. In Acts 2.47, it says daily we're being added to the church. Daily. We've seen that growth in the real church. It's fantastic to see. Let's not stop growing. Let's not restrict what God wants to do in this place. Do you think God wants this place to be completely full? Well, I do. It's <laughs> so important to keep on growing. Church is restorative. In Joel 2.25, said, I will restore the years the locusts of Eden. I look around this room, I know some of you. And I know in the past, your life has been a wreck. I, I know in the past, just because I know you, that you've, you've squandered the opportunities God has, God has given you. But the promise is, within the church, you're going to find restoration. You might, you might be sitting there thinking, but Andy, you don't, know, you don't know all the things I've done. You might know some, but you don't know all the things. I, I'm a wreck. There's, there's no way I could ever be Anything that God wants to be, the church is restorative. And this morning, as as we pray together at the end, if that's you this morning, just be open with the guys around you. Say, "Look, I just want so much of God in my life. I just want to be so much stronger. Leave the past behind. It's gone. It's been dealt with. The church is responsive. In Acts 2:45, the disciples sold their possessions to meet the needs of the poor." And the church is active. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed to me too. So there's stuff to do, there's pour around. But in Ezekiel, it's one of my favorite chapters of the Bible, 37. God is, God is talking to Ezekiel. He says, right, I'm going to take you to a valley. What can you see? He says, I just see dry bones. I just see dry bones. There's nothing. It's dead. It's dry. So God says, right, Ezekiel, Chapter 37, prophesy. So Ezekiel prophesied, and the bones just came together. There was, there was muscle going on there. There were nerve endings. There was skin going on. But they, they just stood there. And then God said, prophesy again, that they might live. So Ezekiel prophesied again. And he said, the breath of God came into that army. And they stood mighty. Like an army with banners. Who's ever seen the, uh, the Trooping in the Colour in London? How fantastic does that army look? An army is fearsome. An army is ready. And an army is prepared. But what, what God is saying in that passage of Scripture, look. You can stand. You can look strong. but Let me put my spirit within you. Because then, just like Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Not just from... Laying on of hands so you can fall over and feel better tomorrow. You were anointed for a purpose. Jesus was anointed for a purpose. And Ezekiel said, as an army mighty with banners. You see, an army provokes two responses. I remember from, uh, just from school and through, through TV watching uh, the, the, the film reels of the, the Allies marching to Paris. Now, as far as the Nazis were concerned, the Allied army was not very welcome. Agreed? What about the Parisians who've been under the cosh under the for six, seven years? What, what are the scenes you see on the, on the film reels? People celebrating, people joyous because they've been released. You see, we have an enemy, I've already mentioned it. He's not happy this morning. Because I've been helping you guys to, to break free from, from the wolf. I've been talking about getting stronger. The enemy really isn't happy. Because what the enemy hates to see is an army that's mighty because an army that's mighty is going to move forward an army that's fixed and ready an army that's prepared is going to take ground and church is all about being mobile and taking ground my colleague was saying but church attendances are declining people don't go to church anymore i went well our church is growing the pentecostal church across the world is growing exponentially there is no stopping it And as I said with North Korea, even with martyrdom, the church will still grow. But you're not going to be welcome. The enemy hates what you're doing. The enemy hates what Arena Church is doing. The enemy hates what the church does, which is why it attacks it. I mean, even driving down the motorway this morning, there's a big billboard on the side of the motorway. You might see it said, God's dead. Bit of a flimsy premise, because if you assume God exists in the first place, then he definitely isn't dead. why the M1 corridor it's a battle we're under we're under the command of the Lord we're under the command of the biggest general there ever was and we're contending for that M1 corridor so God's not dead he's alive I started by reading Ephesians 4 it says walk of the calling See, church is God's idea. You can argue with me, you can disagree with me, but it's in the Bible. If you claim to love Jesus, you are a bride. And guys, I'm afraid, yeah, you are a bride this morning. A bit difficult for us, macho, masculine. We are the bride of Christ. There is only one church. In 4 verse 2, it says we need to walk with humility and patience, bearing with each other in love. And in verse 3, it says, maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. In just a few minutes, I'm just going to ask you to not move from your seats, but just where you are as a church. Let's just stand in a minute to say, ask the band to come up and just prepare themselves. Just for a couple of minutes, why don't we just, as a church, if you are part of a church, you say, I belong to the church. The church is God's idea and I'm part of it why don't you just in small groups just a couple of minutes just pray for each other i really want i just really feel this morning that we should to help build up that bond of peace that unity that humility maybe in a small group there's somebody who feels they're under attack pray for each other strengthen each other maybe you feel you need to be built up again that one the group just just put their hands on you and and pray can we do that together yeah, so why don't you just stand there and just, the people around you just for a couple of minutes, and when the band start playing, we'll just, we'll just come back to a finish with a final song of worship. But in, the, in your groups right now, just where people are, just turn to each other and if, let's just hear that sound of prayer as people pray for each other across the room.